Hey, good morning, Access. Welcome. Uh, I'm so glad you're joining us today, uh, especially if you're new, but also if you're a regular, just thanks for tuning in this morning. I know that with everything going on in our city and our nation, it's just been it's been a tough couple of weeks, um, especially with the rise of cases happening and just a lot of anxiety around that. So um, let's take a moment to just pause, to take a deep breath and to pray before we begin our message. So would you pray with me? Gracious God, thank you for this Sunday morning. We thank you that you are with us. And I pray that you would give us ears to hear your word and to hear from your spirit this morning. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. So my name is John. I serve as the executive pastor here. Um, and um, I wanted to start by sharing a little bit about when I was in high school. So when I was in high school, I was deeply impacted by a ministry called Young Life. Young Life is a youth ministry organization that uh, works with high school students. And one of the biblical passages that uh, Young Life leaders would often teach on and talk about uh, was a passage from John chapter 10, 10. And it really resonated with me. In John 10, 10, Jesus famously says, I have come that they might have life and life to the full. Other translations say, I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. Life to the full, abundant life. As an adolescent, I was really, uh, at that time, trying to figure out what was life all about. I regularly wondered questions like, you know, is there more to this life than, you know, getting up every day? Uh, going to school, trying to get good grades so I can go to college, so I could get a good job, you know, and eventually die. Like, is there more to, is there more to life than meets the eye? And it seemed like many of my peers were also asking the same questions, but how we answered those questions was vastly different. For some, they turned to things like alcohol, uh, drugs, and sex. Um, others looked towards uh, success which meant, you know, getting the highest GPA possible or highest scores on the SAT. Um, still others were looking for it in terms of uh, popularity and fame, which could look like, um, you know, becoming the homecoming king or queen, uh, being voted student council president, or being the uh, quarterback of the football team. As I wrestled with these questions, I eventually came to the conclusion like many of you have at some point in your journey, that the answer to this question, that true life, real life, was found in God, was found in knowing the God of the universe who created me, who knows me through and through, and inexplicably loves me. I came to the conclusion that Jesus's words in John 10, 10, are true, that indeed he is the source of life to the full. And ever since that um, conclusion, that conclusion has become a conviction that continues to guide me each and every day. And all these years later, and now as we are living in the midst of this uh, unprecedented pandemic, I think we are still confronted with the urgency of that same question. Where is life really found? 
And each day, we have to make a choice. Will we choose to live life with God, or will we choose to live life with something else? Will we choose to live life with ease or endless distractions? Will we choose to live life with uh, constant worry and fear? Will we live life with frustration and anger? Or will we live life with God? And let's be really clear. When we choose not to live life with God, we are by default choosing to live life without God, even though you and I would never really say that. But that choice comes with its own consequences and effects. As Galatians 6, 7 says, God is not mocked for whatever a person sows that he will also reap. And church, what I've been praying for, for myself and for you and for our church community, is that during this pandemic, we would be resolved to choose life, to choose life with God each and every single day. Last week, we began a series called Waves and Anchors. And it's a series where we're looking at uh, what are the things that ground us, uh, ground us and root us amidst this time when we're just constantly being, being bombarded by waves of change and uncertainty? And we've been looking at what does it mean for us as a church to navigate these tumultuous times? And so we've been reflecting on and kind of diving deeper into things like our vision, our mission, and our values. Um, asking the question, who are we during this pandemic? What are the things that will anchor us and root us as these waves continue to come over us? And today, we'll be reflecting more deeply on our mission statement. So would you join me in saying our mission? We are a church seeking to live life with God in soul, community, and mission. You might be familiar with that. You might have heard that like a hundred times um, back when we were gathering on Sundays. Um, if a vision statement is a picture of a preferred future, then the mission tells us what do you and I need to do in order to see that vision happen. Our vision, as we talked about last week, is to be a church experiencing a deep life with God and others growing as a faith village, striving for unity and diversity, empowering people on mission, and impacting culture in the way of Jesus. Our vision answers the question, what are our aspirations? You know, what are our dreams? And our mission answers the question, what do you and I need to do in order to see this vision happen? At Access, we answer that question by inviting everyone to live life with God in soul, community, and mission. At the heart of our mission statement is the conviction and the belief that abundant life, true life, life to the full, is equivalent to and only found in life with God. 
So this morning, I'd like to draw out three principles that might help us better understand what this means and how you and I can live into this precious life with God. So the first principle is this. Our life with God is rooted in an actual relationship with the living God. It is more than having correct beliefs about God, theology. It is more than doing the right thing, morality. Life with God means we are invited into a life-giving connection with God, family. Another way to put it is this. Life with God is not just knowledge about God. It is not just life lived for God. It is life lived with God. The word with is a very small preposition. Uh, It's easy to gloss over. Uh, It's easy to pass over and not even notice. Um, But the word with makes all the difference. With joins two entities together. With connects, it bonds. Do you want fries with that? Well, now your meal is complete. Hey, do you want me to go with you? Now you don't feel alone. Hey, do you want to join us and come along? Now you belong. When a dating couple is deciding and thinking through whether or not they should tie the knot, uh, they are asking the question, you know, do I want to spend the rest of my life with this person? With is a big deal. And Jesus understood the power of with. It formed the basis of every invitation that he made to people to follow him, both in the past and now in the present. I want you to look for the word with in the passage we're going to read from Mark chapter 3. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12, designating them apostles, that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. Jesus chose those he wanted to be with him, that they might literally live their lives with Jesus. Being with Jesus meant like walking along the same dirt roads as he would. It meant sitting around the same campfires that he sat around, eating the same fish and bread. It meant uh, sitting on the same boats. It meant walking through the same fields. It meant, um, you know, confronting the same crowds that wanted to get a piece of Jesus. Uh, Being with Jesus meant that there was no pretense. You know, when you live with someone, there's this level of vulnerability and exposure that comes with that. Uh, Being with Jesus meant that they spent an inordinate amount of time um, with him, just observing uh, his way of life, not just learning his teachings, but seeing how he lived out those teachings. And over time, as they spent time being together, the disciples would naturally become more and more like Jesus. Being with Jesus transformed them. And it transforms us. Being with Jesus was only possible because he wanted them. That's what verse uh, Mark 3 says in verse 13. Jesus wanted them. Jesus desired to be in relationship with those disciples. 
This is really important. He didn't have to choose them. You know, he wasn't forced to. He wasn't just putting up with the disciples. He wanted to be in relationship with them. And he wants to be in relationship with you and with me. Many of us imagine God as, you know, like loving us in this abstract sense, but not really liking us. We kind of imagine God as just, um, you know, having to put up with us as if like God's out to like get us or like destroy us because of our sin. But just, just in the nick of time, Jesus comes to rescue us. And while we must not ever minimize the significance of sin, um, I think we have to remember that actually God's posture towards us is one of affection and delight. He wants to be in relationship with us. Life with God always begins with God's desire. It always begins with divine initiative. Divine love makes the first move. But we must respond. We're not coerced into a relationship with God. We can say no, and many do. If you listen last week, we talked about the different soils that are possible, and some seed inevitably falls on rocky ground, and the potential for life with God is snatched away. But there is soil that is good and true and welcomes the Word of God. And when Jesus says, come follow me, we say yes, gladly. I was studying this passage with a group of friends and um, some people raised the question, you know, well, this is great. I'm glad Jesus wanted those disciples, but what about me? Does Jesus, you know, want me? Uh, and that's such a great question. It's such an honest question. And it's a question that I've wrestled with as well. But the assurance that I have that God does desire to be in relationship with, with me and with you comes from Scripture itself. Uh, in 1 John, for example, 4, 9 to 10, it says, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. What 1 John makes really clear is that God's love is so large, it is so vast, that God wants everyone to experience life with him. Second Peter says, Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And so our life with God isn't just this abstract idea. It is a living relationship that is initiated by God's desire to be with us. John 15 pictures this life with God as a vine and branches. Colossians 3 says that our life uh, is now hidden with Christ in God. And Galatians 2.20 says that uh, we no longer live, but Christ lives in us. And the life we now live, we live by faith, the Son of God. And so our mission as a church is to help people discover, experience life with God. So let me ask the question, how has your connection with God been during this pandemic? Have you found yourself drawing closer to God? Or have you found yourself drifting further away? Who or what are you living your life with 
these days? Those are some questions to ponder. Let's move to our second principle, which is this. Our life with God involves bringing all of our being and all of our moments into God's presence. Rather than reduce our relationship with God to the quality and quantity of our quiet times, we see every moment of every day as sacred. You know, whether we're enjoying a cup of coffee, coffee, whether we're sitting in front of our computer doing a work, whether we're praying for a friend, whether we're waking up in the middle of the night to soothe a crying baby, you young parents, we see you. Um, Often when I ask people the question, you know, how's your walk with God going? Um, They'll give me a summation, a summary of the, their quiet times. You know, often the answer or response is like, well, like, you know, like, yeah, I've, I've been reading my Bible or I haven't really been praying that much. Um, and don't get me wrong, prayer, reading scripture are vital to our life with God, but they do not represent the sum total of our life with God, right? It's not like our life with God can be reduced to the 30 minutes or whatever that we spend, you know, reading the Bible um, or, or pr- in prayer. Our life with God encompasses all of our life. All of, all of the aspects of our lives. Listen to this gem from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So here's the idea. We have this tendency to compartmentalize our life into these like artificial buckets, right? So we have a bucket for our like spiritual life. And in that bucket is like reading the Bible, going to church, you know, giving or whatever it might be. And then we have a bucket for our family life and we have a bucket for our social life and we have a bucket for our work life. And then we have a bucket for Netflix, right? We have all these different buckets. Um, But what if we saw our life with God as the water that actually fills all these buckets, Right? What if our life with God is meant to inhabit all the buckets, all the different compartments of our lives, and soak them and saturate them in the presence of God? That would be really different, wouldn't it be? So there's no aspect of our life with God that God doesn't want to be a part of. Um, I, I love this book by Tish Warren called Liturgy of the Ordinary. Uh, listen to this quote where she says, If I am to spend my whole life being transformed by the good news of Jesus— I must learn how grand sweeping truths, doctrine, theology, ecclesiology, Christology, how they rub against the texture of an average day. How I spend this ordinary day in Christ is how I will spend my Christian life. And Richard Foster, the great writer, um, theologian, spiritual formation um, uh, thinker, calls this the with God life. Uh, In fact, we almost use that phrase, the with God life in our mission statement. And he describes how we relate to it. He says, we must seek this life out, pursue it, turn into it, because there is also a principle of death within us, which stems from the fall. Therefore, we must be constantly saying yes to life and no to death. We must always be discerning life-giving actions and attitudes from those that are death-giving. This is why the Bible is such a help to us. It is regularly fleshing these things out in the rough and tumble of real-life situations. Scripture makes clear to us precisely how this with-God life works. 
in all the circumstances of human existence, both for individuals and for groups, both in specific historical periods and throughout all times. Oh, may I urge you to turn into this Zoe life that flows from God through the scripture and into, into the thirsty wasteland of the human soul. Such rich words. Think now more than ever when the boundaries of our life have become so constrained. We need to think of fresh ways, fresh ways of finding meaning and purpose in the mundane, in the regular and routine aspects of our lives, right? Our life with God. What does our life with God look like during this pandemic? So that's the second principle. The third principle is this. Our life with God invites us into three interrelated movements, soul, community, and mission. When we neglect one or more, we are not living fully into the life which God beckons us. At Access, we've highlighted three words that we think are really important to helping us understand what this life of God looks like, soul, community, and mission. These are like three legs of a stool, right? If even one leg of the stool is missing, that stool is wobbly. It, it can't work. It doesn't, it won't stand up. You can't sit on it. It lacks integrity and it's not able to do what it was meant to do. You might also think about soul community mission as three directions, right? Three movements in which our life with God is meant to take us. There's the inward, the other word, and the outward journeys. So soul is about engaging in the inward journey. It's about going beyond superficial religion and empty rituals. Uh, it's about experiencing new life in Christ. When we attend to our souls, we acknowledge that we are not the ones who are called to fix our own lives. Uh, we just can't do it. We don't, we lack the capacity and the resources and the ability to transform ourselves. But we have those resources available to us in Christ's life, his death and his resurrection and his resurrection. And those things can transform us as we live our lives with him. And so soul is about being transformed from the inside out. As we live our life with God in soul, we will experience personal transformation. Community is about engaging in the other word journey. A new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you, said Jesus in John chapter 13. We were made for community. We were made to be in community, to contribute to community to shape and be shaped by community. Uh, did you know that the phrase one another occurs uh, about a hundred times throughout 94 New Testament verses? And 47 of those verses give us instructions uh, to the church. Uh, and they have, a particular, they have particular themes. One third of those uh, verses about one another deal with unity. One third deal with love. And four of them deal with kissing, right? Go figure. So we have uh, commands like love one another, uh, forgive one another, bear with one another, admonish one another, 
teach one another, sing to one another, be devoted to one another. How can we possibly one another, one another without community? We just can't. That's why uh, the idea of the faith village is so crucial to our vision. We need community. You and I were designed and created to live out our life with God in community. And mission is about engaging in the outward journey. Um, In my own experiences and observations, uh, I think this is often the most neglected leg of the stool. It's like the leg workout. It's like the veggies. It's like being the middle child. And by the way, I was a middle child, right? Most of us are naturally drawn towards community um, and even soul, because when we invest our life with God in these things, there's an immediate and tangible benefit to us. But living life with God in mission, it calls us to live life beyond ourselves. It calls us to live life for the sake of our neighbor and for the sake of our world. Being on mission requires us to be constantly tapped in into the heart of God. Asking God, God, what is your heart beating for? What do you care about? What are you passionate about? And as we take time to listen and ask that question, we find that God's heart beats constantly for the world. God's heart beats constantly for the world. You can't read scripture and avoid this this truth. And somehow we do, right? Uh, God is pictured as the shepherd who leaves the 99 in search of the one. God's heart beats for the one. In the Great Commission, Jesus told his disciples, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Right? God's heart beats for the nations. Uh, after he arose again, Jesus said to his disciples, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Right? So I am sending you. Remember, we, send, we serve a sending God, and we are a sent people. In Acts 1.8, and you will be my witnesses in all of Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In Mark 3, the passage we just read, we saw that Mark, that Jesus chose those disciples that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach, right? To be on mission. Alan Hirsch once said, the church doesn't have a mission. The mission, God's mission has a church. God's mission, God's redemptive work and saving work in the world has given birth to the church, right? The sent and called people of God, and we are invited to join God in his redemptive work. We are invited to be co-laborers and co-partners. And so living on mission is for every one of us, right? It's for every single one of us. None of us uh, is not included. None of us is exempt from that. It is for young and old. It's not just reserved for like the missions community, uh, the missions committee or the outreach team. It is for every one of us to bring our gifts, to bring our passions, to bring our, uh, our circle of influence and say, God, how can I participate in your work? How can I be a part of your mission? So is your life with God leading you into greater missional engagement? And if it isn't, You can begin by asking God, God, what are you doing around me? And how can I be a part of it? Our mission as a church 
is to live life with God in soul, community, and mission. And there are three principles we just talked about, that our life with God is an actual living relationship with God. That our life with God uh, involves the totality of who we are every moment of every single day. And that our life with God uh, uh, propels us into three interrelated movements, soul, community, and mission. Um, my friends, I think during this time, it's really easy to, as we, you know, we're, we're just waiting, as we're adapting, adjusting constantly, it's easy to think, okay, I'll just get to my spiritual life when all of this is over. But I want to say no to that because uh, our life is happening right now. Uh, we are living pandemic life. And so we must figure out creative ways of engaging in our life with God during this pandemic. I began with a verse from the New Testament in John 10, 10. And I want to conclude with a verse about life from the Old Testament, because really the scriptures from cover to cover is a book about life. In Deuteronomy 30, Moses says to all the people, this, this epic charge, he says, this day, I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life, and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Church, choose life, abundant life, life to the full, life with God. Amen. Let's take a moment um, just to quietly reflect on what the Spirit might be saying to you this morning. God, you are the giver of life. Help us to choose life. Help us to choose life to the full, life abundant, even during this pandemic. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Next week, we will continue looking at the various anchors of our faith community by looking at some of our values as a church. And now let's say our sending prayer together. Loving God, through all our years, let the church be a community where we learn about love and practice it, where we envision peace and work to build it, where we meet partners in faith who wish to abandon everything that cheapens our discipleship where we discover gifts and offer them. May your spirit guide us towards joy and generosity. In Jesus' name, in the way of Jesus, amen. Access Faith Village, be blessed and have a great Sunday. Hope to see you next Sunday.